Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Constructionist Podcast. And today we're going to be building up our understanding of this idea of death for a believer. And about a year or so ago, a little over a year ago, I think it was my second or third podcast I did, uh, it was called uh, The Coronavirus and How to Cheat Death, something like that. And essentially, I just talked about the importance of the gospel and how it is, death is sort of not an end, but we shouldn't really fear the coronavirus. And this was back in March, I think, last year, or maybe April, when it was all a big deal. Well, right now, as I'm talking, it's all coming back again. So this is August of 2021. And this whole idea of the coronavirus is swinging back into our consciousness and our, the media and there are surges taking place according to the news. And so it's sort of fitting, I think, that uh, as we've been looking at Philippians of late, it would be worth also looking at this idea of Paul's attitude toward death. Now, Paul lived a pretty interesting life, rough life, you could actually say. I mean, the guy becomes a believer, if you go back and read in the book of Acts. The guy becomes a believer in Damascus after seeing Jesus Christ and Jesus sort of giving him this commission uh, to go and meet with this guy in Damascus. And he's blind for three days. And then when he finally gets to Damascus, he meets this guy who prays for him and the scales fall off his eyes. And now he's able to see, obviously, again, after three days, fasting and all that kind of thing. And then he immediately goes out and starts talking about how Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And more than the Jewish Messiah, ultimately the savior of the whole world for all who come to him in faith. Then it says that he has to be let out of the city in a basket over the wall with a rope because people were trying to kill him. So like within the first week or two of him becoming a believer, already people want to kill him. And so he's got this sort of hanging over him his entire life. If you read about his uh, time in Jerusalem where he goes up to... um, Uh, He goes to Jerusalem and is in the temple and there's mobs and they throw him in jail. That's like the whole last three or four chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, But in other places as well, he goes to Galatia and he gets stoned and they left him for dead out in the field. And then uh, he's also, uh, oh, he's had this whole list in two Corinthians about what all the different sufferings he's gone through, shipwrecks and fastings and in peril of robbery on the road and in the sea and all this kind of thing. It says he had been whipped, uh, whipped, I think, three times or something like that. You know, the 40 stripes minus one, that kind of thing. So Paul has been close to death multiple times in his life. And even in this book of Philippians, he talks about his friend, uh, I think it's Epaphroditus, who is also close to death. And uh, it was a very sad thing for him because life is something given by God. 
And I think that's where when we look at the current media and this idea of having the coronavirus have a zero death rate and that kind of thing, the fact is, is that uh, death is part of life. And if you're alive and you're a human and you're functioning, chances are you're going to die. <laughs> so I don't think anybody can deny that reality that you will at some point in your life die. Now, in the Bible, there's good death and there's bad death. The New Testament gives us a picture of good death and bad death. So let me explain first what I mean by bad death, and then I'm going to read this passage in Philippians, and we'll talk about Paul's attitude toward, toward physical death and, and why, in one sense, it's good death, okay? So bad death, when I talk about that, I'm going all the way back to Genesis chapter uh, 3, where Eve and Adam eat the fruit and God, in chapter 2 of Genesis, tells him, if you eat off of that tree, you will surely die. Or literally, dying, you will die. So that kind of kickstarts this whole idea that we have today of, of, of what it is to die. So people are born, they grow up, they get mature. They hit about, oh, I don't know, 20 or so, somewhere in there, maybe even into their 30s. It's different for men and women. But at some point, their body stops growing and there's a shift that takes place. Uh, and their metabolism begins to slow down and ultimately they just start to die. So I'm 46 years old, so I'm in that stage of life where I'm slowly unwinding, so to speak. Now my kids, you know, the youngest being six and the oldest being 17, um, they are still winding up. They're getting, they can get stronger, they can build muscle, um, they can grow taller, uh, they can mature in their physical state. But my wife and I are on the downward side of things. And so we're starting to think now about our bodies getting a bit more worn out. So that's what dying you shall die. That's that kind of idea. It, it put within humans this unwinding process that we're that we're always um when we reach a certain after we reach a certain age of of physical maturity we begin to unwind or wind down and eventually to death now some things speed that up disease uh traumatic uh, accident of some kind you know falling off a ladder and hitting your head or that could kill you uh, i know a guy that happened to um a car accident my my dad died uh we think he had some kind of a, a blood clot or aneurysm or something like that sitting on the back porch of the house just suddenly. Uh, I know a number of people who have died very suddenly from aneurysms or brain cancer, something like that. And so death comes to all of them at some point. And uh, even things like suicide or whatever, I mean, there's ways to speed up physical death. And we as humans don't like that. We don't like the idea that we're going to die. Now, in a, in a purely atheistic, humanist view of things, if you say that there's no God, then what you have left is, I guess, uh, this sort of Darwinian evolutionary model, which is all about survival of the fittest and all that kind of thing. But that doesn't coincide with our ideas of uh, the sadness and the finality of death, okay? Because if, if, if we say that we all evolved through this idea of Darwinian evolution that 
survival of the fittest and that things had to adapt because they would die and it's all about how to survive, then in one sense we should be happy that people are dying because when people die, that eliminates the weak and makes room for the strong. So if you've come this far in the whole COVID uh, pandemic crisis and all that, then maybe you're one of the strong ones and that's a good thing. And so the, 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 the tribe or the whole of the herd is now stronger because the weak ones are gone. So that doesn't reside well with us. We don't like that idea. We don't want people to die. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. God instilled within us a sense of preservation, of the, a, a sadness of, in death, uh, a desire to be living. And so because God is the living God. And so the living God put life into us and wants us to live. And the most ultimate way to live, the fullest and, and, and greatest way to live is through the work and the life of Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul means in one sense in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, okay? Therefore, I'm dead. Crucifixion leads to death. So I have been crucified with Christ. I am no longer alive. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul flip-flops the whole thing when he writes to the Galatians and he tells them that he's actually, in one sense, sort of a walking dead man. Now, this idea also comes out in a sort of uh, reflective way in Philippians. So let's read the passage. Philippians 1, starting with verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. So remember, in Philippians, Paul was in prison. He is um, writing this letter back to the Philippian church because they sent him some money. And he's expressing his thanks and his joy uh, back to them. But he's also sort of reflective and he's talking about his own life and about uh, his thoughts on some issues. And so... He is hopeful and prayerful that when, that their prayers and their concern for him will get him out of jail. So for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I do not know. For I am in a strait between the two. In other words, he's perplexed. Having a desire to depart or to die and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, in other words, to stay alive in my body on earth, is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So Paul is very hopeful that he's going to go through this trial, he's going to be released, and he'll be able to, at some point, go back and visit his friends in Philippi again. But there's also this thought that he could die. It's a very real thought that he could die. And eventually he does. He gets beheaded uh, by uh, the Roman... He's you know, sentenced to death by beheading by the Roman Empire, same time that Peter did, according to tradition. Peter was crucified and Paul was beheaded because he was a Roman citizen. But this is a marvelous phrase that we hear so often. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
So Paul, understanding and recognizing that there's this thing called bad death that is a result of sin, and it causes the human body to come to a, a stop. Um, but it does not make the soul come to a stop because the human soul is eternal. It lives on. And that's kind of a whole other talk, this idea of what happens after we die. But you have bad death, which is caused by sin, and it results ultimately in a person's soul slowly dying and then eventually their body dying. But then you have this thing called new life or salvation from sin. And that brings about this idea of good death. Now, Galatians 2.20 is ultimately Paul's statement on good death because he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, that's a bit of a paradox because he wasn't there at the cross. He wasn't crucified as one of the thieves next to Jesus. He uh, wasn't even in the city at the time as far as we know. He was probably fairly young <clears throat> when that happened. But he knows that it's a good death because God uses something like death to get us into life. Now, here's the pattern. Jesus lived a life in obedience to the Father. It says in Hebrews that he uh, uh, learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay, So Jesus had to learn obedience growing up. And he did that very well. Because if you read the book, book of John, he talks about how he just does the things that his father does and I and my father are one and these kind of things. So there was a, there was a tight unity between Jesus and the father and he was led by the spirit. So, but he still put himself uh, in a position where he would die. So even though Jesus didn't sin, he put himself in a position where he would die because we can't put ourselves in that position and be able to get through it successfully. If we don't accommodate the life of Jesus into us, then we will die in our sin. And then that's judgment in that regard. So Jesus died, but then he resurrected so the cross that Jesus went through on, in one sense seemed very bad. It was death. It was, it, it was unjust. He was innocent. It's, Pilate says so. Herod says so. They say that there's nothing, there's nothing in this guy that's worthy of his death, but yet he died. So he was suffering under the law of bad death. But God, in his infinite wisdom, saw that as good death because when Jesus died it kicked in this the this law of wait a minute the wages of sin is death but you didn't sin you were innocent the the the, the powers that be deemed you innocent that you were crucified killed anyway so you shouldn't even be here you're not were you're not you're not um you haven't earned the penalty of death so he was released from that. So Jesus, it, it all got turned around. God turned the whole thing around to make it good death. So it was good that Jesus died on the cross because now by faith we can accommodate his life into our life and we also become free from that penalty of death. Now, that does not mean that our human bodies will not die. Paul is talking about that right now. It's a very real thing for him sitting in that prison that the sentence could be, oh, you're advocating a different Lord than Caesar? You are worthy of death. That's treason. Off with his head. So Paul recognizes that. 
But he sees that as an entryway to being with Christ. And so he was joyful in that. He wasn't fearing the reality of death, even though he may have been a little bit slightly apprehensive about the means of the death, <laughs> but he wasn't fearing the, the reality of death because he knew that he was free from the penalty of death, which is sin. So he was looking at it through the lens of good death. If I die in my body, I'm going to be with the Lord, and that's fantastic. But if I carry on now in my life, then I'll be able to know, go and, and live with uh, the Philippians again and see them and, and encourage them and strengthen them and them to me and that kind of thing. So you see how that works. This is just one little aspect of good death, bad death. So that which was thought to be, get this guy out of here. He's a pain in the backside to us religious leaders. He's going to cause all kinds of problems with the Romans. Let's get rid of him. So, and then of course his mother Mary is there crying at the cross and John the apostle was there and there were others there and they were very sad and most of the disciples ran away and Judas was so guilt-ridden he killed himself. They all saw it in the light of, of bad death. But God's looking down going, ha, this is exactly what it will take to bring about the salvation of anybody who comes to my son and seeks life through him. This is good, this death is good. So God in his uh, amazing wisdom actually can put all this stuff together and it really is, in my, my thinking, beyond us. There is not a philosopher or a wise person or a self-proclaimed uh, commentator on human excellence who can come up with this kind of uh, plan to save the human race. It is so vitally important that we understand this. This is the salvation of the human race, is to look beyond bad death and look to good death and let good death free us. Because Jesus died, then what happened? He was resurrected. His resurrection was the result of his humbling through what we think is bad death, God sees as good death, and then he was lifted up. So he died, he resurrected, eventually he ascended to heaven, which is exactly what's going to happen to all who follow in that path. If you humble yourself and go through what looks like bad death, and I don't necessarily mean literal death, but standing firm in the face of the world and giving up your right to yourself in whatever aspect that looks like. Um, that's a whole nother topic, really, that idea of giving up your right to yourself. But consider some of these great statements that Paul makes. He says to the Corinthian church, I came to you knowing nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. This sort of mindset of, of aiming things toward the Lord I came to you knowing nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, that's a fantastic statement. All things were made by him and through him, and in him we are complete. That's what basically Colossians chapter 1 is about. He says, in him, he is the head of all things, and we are complete in him. Read Colossians chapter 1 and 2, ultimately, uh, and you'll get these grand statements of the the supremacy of Jesus and who he is. And if we accommodate his life within us, then we will be able to walk the way he walked in humility. And in that humility, things may happen to us. We may suffer. We may be ridiculed. We may be embarrassed. We may be humiliated. But through that, if we are prayerful, if we are letting God do his work, 
in us and around us, then he will glorify himself, which is what Paul says in this passage I read, that he hopes that God will glorify himself through his body, through Paul's body. So our bodies are then become sort of these vessels by which God operates. And so after death comes resurrection, after resurrection comes ascension. And Paul was thinking along these lines in this passage when he's like, well, it may be that I'm sentenced to death and I'll get my head removed from the rest of my body. But to me, that's just an ascension because I get to go and live with Christ is what it is. He's going to be freed to go and live with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the person that he, his whole life, was seeking to know and to make known and to uh, reveal to the world around him. So this is good death and bad death. And I think in our era right now of coronavirus and uh, the fear and the confusion and the misinformation and the contradictions and all these things, there's a clarity that we can have if we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, the life that he instills within us, what is real in his opinion and not in our opinion, what is real in his way of viewing things and not in our way of viewing things. If we acquire his worldview and his mind and have the mind of Christ, then there will be a huge amount of burden lifted off of us and we can walk in peace. And it's a daily thing. We have to daily be renewed in this, daily be uh, reminding ourselves. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. Let it seek, seep down inside of you. Let the words affect the way you think, the way you act, the decisions you make. Let it affect your emotions and your, and your health, <laughs> your mental health. All of this can be done when we accommodate what the Scripture says and then we can walk in much greater confidence. So God bless you and have a great day and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.